Well, last night, April asked me if we were going to finally start Exodus. And I said, no, we're going to do a, a review of First Peter. No, we're doing Exodus <laughs> this morning. We're doing Exodus this morning. Um, we have <clears throat> always, I like to bounce back and forth between Old and New Testament. Uh, it's easy to become New Testament heavy. New, New Testament is a totally different uh, type of teaching than Old Testament, at least for me. Uh, New Testament, um, a book like First Peter, it's like you're going out and you're, you're um, uh, if you were mining for gold, it's like walking onto a field where there's just gold nuggets laying everywhere. Uh, you just, any one of those passages you could have spent uh, weeks and weeks on. So we go a paragraph at a time. Um, Exodus is more like um, the old time gold mining, where you take a river and you run all the dirt through it, you know, and the, the sluice and, and you get, a, you get some gold out of it, but it's a different type of book. It's not written that way. It's a historical book. It's not written so that the truth is just on every page. In fact, it, what it does is it gives us the full story. It allows us to see how God works um, in the lives of his people. And at the same time, it gives really uh, the texture to our faith. It, it tells us more than just the, the doctrine, it tells us the story as well. So um, we will not go a paragraph at a time through Exodus. We will go a chapter at a time, at least. Um, we might, when we get to the plagues, um, do a plague at a time. Um, and, but anyways, I just want to make sure that we, that we know that as we go through Exodus. Um, question might be, why do we go through Exodus at all? Why do we take time to study apart from the fact that it's in, uh, in the Bible? Um, for those of you who've been with us before 1 Peter, we went through Genesis. In fact, it took a long time to go through Genesis. We did Genesis 1 through 11, and then we took like a year break and did John, and then we went through Genesis um, well. 12 all the way through about 24 which is the life of abraham and then we continued on uh, after that took another break came back and went to uh, the last part of genesis exodus is the, of course the continuation of that story in fact um, look at the very last book verse of genesis you may remember how genesis ends it's not a very happy ending to the book <laughs> Uh, Genesis 50, verse 20, so it says, So Joseph died, being 110 years old. They embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. That's how Genesis ends. Uh, Genesis, of course, is a story, but it's more than a story. Uh, Genesis gives us every major doctrine uh, in, in, its, uh, in the first 11 chapters. If you study Genesis, all of the, the ideas that we need to understand the New Testament are there in the first 11 chapters, right? We learn who God is. We learn uh, that he is omnipotent, that he's omniscient, that he creates out of nothing, that he's a God who communicates, he speaks to his people, that he desires a relationship with his people, um, that, that um, he is the God who judges, but he's also the God of mercy, and he is the God who forms covenants with his people. Uh, we learn who man is, we learn about Satan, we learn uh, all, everything we need in that first 11 chapters. But then the book changes its focus, Genesis does, and it spends time with the covenant 
We see the covenant with Noah, actually the Noahic covenant, which is a covenant with the earth. But we get to Abraham, we see the covenant with Abraham. And that covenant is got to be foremost in our minds as we go into the book of Exodus. If you forget about Genesis, when you get to Exodus, the story is self-contained, but you miss an awful lot. So those of you who are with us, we go through it. Genesis, God chooses Abraham, calls him out, and makes him a bunch of promises, right? What are the promises? He's going to be made into a great nation. Exactly. What else? Yeah, the, 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 his descendants will number, outnumber the stars. What else? He's going to inherit that land. What else? All the nations in the world will be blessed in him. Right? Which is a pointing forward to Christ. And then the rest of the book of Genesis is God working out that promise. And the tension in the book of Genesis is that it doesn't seem like God's doing very much about it, <laughs> right? So the promise is made to, to, uh, to Abraham in chapter 15 of Genesis that he's going to have, have many children. And he takes matter, that's when he's probably, you know, somewhere between 40 and 60, right? How long does he have to wait before Isaac comes along? Yeah, 40 years. And in the meantime, he takes matters into his own hand, but, then, but God says, I don't want that one. I don't want Ishmael. I want Isaac. Okay? Then Isaac. So, so we've got Grant, uh, Abraham and his son, and this is um, 30 years later or 40 years later. And then, anybody remember when Isaac has his first children? He gets married at 40. You'd think you'd get on the ball. He's 60 when Isaac, I mean, when Jacob and Esau are born. And then God takes and chooses between Jacob and Esau, right? And Jacob is 40 when he runs away to, because of all that took place. So start adding up how long this has been. And we are 40 and 100, we're 140 years after the promise is made. And there's exactly one descendant. <laughs> Right. Well, two descendants, but one that's not going to have any more children. There's one descendant. And then, of course, Jacob's family. But the whole tension in the book is, remember, there's even the thing where they go into Egypt, and, and Abraham doesn't want Isaac to go into, back to Canaan, uh, back to uh, the land of Haran. There, there's this, is God going to fulfill his promises to these people? And then we have the famine, and where do they all end up? Well, they're all in Egypt. Some place that's always been troubled before, and that's where the book of Exodus begins. So uh, start with me in Exodus 1. Let's read the, this is uh, my tradition when we do uh, the Old Testament. We do read through the chapter. Sometimes that gets pretty long. This is not that long of a chapter. And then we are going to take the first chapter uh, this morning. <clears throat> These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. All the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. Then Joseph died, and all his brothers, and all that generation. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong, so that the land was filled with them. 
Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from, our, from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh's store cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. And the more they spread abroad, and the Egyptians uh, more they spread abroad, and the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and in brick and in all kinds of work in the fields. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shipra and the other Pua, when you serve as midwife to Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it's a daughter, he shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, why have you done this and let the male children live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very strong and became, and because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to you, to the Hebrew people, Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Okay. There are so many ties backwards and to what's already happened in Genesis in this passage. This is the transition passage into the book of, of Exodus. Um, there's actually, well, we'll see what we have time for. Uh, let's start with the first eight verses. Um, this ties us back in to the sons of Israel, lists who came, 70 persons. By the way, if you go and counts, you find out there was only 67 who came, but Joseph was already there. In the New Testament, there's a verse in Acts where it says there were 75 people who came into Egypt. Those are all kind of interpretive challenges, different ways of explaining that. But, but for us, the main point is that this is a continuation of the book of Genesis. By the way, something interesting here, and that is all the way through, God has been choosing one child, right? There's Abraham is chosen. By the way, that's another thing we learn in Genesis, that God is a choosing God. He chooses people. He chose uh, Abraham. Then he chooses Isaac over Ishmael, and we kind of understand why. And then he chooses Jacob over Esau, right? Those are twins, same father and mother, born at the same time. I want Esau. I mean, excuse me, I want Jacob. But now he's choosing the entire family, right? I mean, would it have surprised you if he said, I want Joseph and just Joseph? Not from Genesis, it wouldn't have surprised you, but now the whole family is included. This is important. This, this is now God's people. Um, if you go over to Genesis, uh, not Genesis, Exodus uh, 2, at the end, this is an important verse in Exodus. It says, uh, during those many days, this is verse 23, during those many days, the kings of, um, during those many days, the king of Egypt died 
And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. They cry for rescue from, the cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Uh, the covenant is now extended to all of the family of Israel. Um, what else do we see in those first uh, eight verses there? We see that J Joseph died, but uh, actually the first seven verses. Look at verse 7. I think that's an important verse. What, what do we find happening? Uh, they multiplied. In fact, it's an echo back to Genesis 15, right? I'm going to make you a great nation. But it even goes further back than that. Doesn't this remind you of Genesis, the very beginning? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. This is God's promise being fulfilled. And that's what you're going to see through Exodus. That God keeps his promises. He makes covenants and he keeps them. Now, I'm a math guy, as you know. I was kind of curious about that. Anybody have an idea of how many people left um, Egypt at the end of their captivity? 600,000 men who could fight. 600,000 men from 20 to 60. Okay. Sorry, those of you who are older 60, they say you can't fight anymore, but it was from 20 to 60. Those were the men that were counted. So if we double that for the women, add in the children, add in the older folks, most people would say around 2 million. Okay. Um, I, I'm just, just curious. Uh, by the way, anybody know how long they were actually in Egypt? Uh, actually, 215. The promise is that when Abraham is spoken to in Genesis 15, he's told for four, 430 years, uh, and your people will, will be enslaved and persecuted, but, but it's from that point on is the 430. They're actually in Egypt for 215 years. You can go back and do the math on that, and I did. But, um, but you can go back and check it, 215 years. Uh, so I was just curious, what would the growth rate have to be to go from 70 people to 2 million people in 215 years. Was that? <laughs> um, they put our church to shame, actually. The average number of children, assuming everybody gets married, and no children die in infancy, that every child reaches their adulthood and has the same number of children, uh, a little bit more than five children per family. So you take in all those other factors, infant mortality, you're probably looking at the average family having seven to eight children. And you say, well, I mean, okay, but that's a lot of children. There's infertile couples, right? I mean, there's people who don't get married. There's people who die. This is, this is a lot. I mean, when you looked at this, like I said, our church, we've got a lot of children. Just triple that number or quadruple it for the size church we are. And that had to happen not one generation, two generations. That had to happen for 215 years. When it says that they were fruitful and multiplied, they were fruitful. <laughs> All right? They were really, really fruitful. Um, but what's important is that God is, is, is honoring and, uh, and being uh, faithful to the covenant that he has made with Abraham. Um, now, <clears throat> we go on. 
and now is where the tension in the book becomes, because, all right, God's growing them. Now we're going to see the same problem that we've seen since the very beginning of Genesis. And that is when God begins to work, Satan begins to oppose. And there are people that try to stop this from happening. Uh, the this is that, that, there will, that all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. The tension in the book of Genesis all the way through is that it, it always seems like uh, is, is, there, is God going to be faithful to his promise and actually bring about the child that will fulfill what he's promised? So we're watching Ishmael and Isaac. And then when Isaac gets married, as, uh, that wants to get married, remember, uh, the servant wants to take him to back to Haran. It's like, no, 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 no. He doesn't leave this land. He doesn't leave the land. And then he suffers with infertility. And it's not, like I said, until they're 60 that they have the two. And then uh, Esau, uh, Isaac, uh, Jacob is chosen, and Esau tries to kill Jacob, right? Uh, another attempt to try and stop what God is doing from actually taking place. Um, and then you have all the other parts of the story. You have the part of the story where Remember, uh, Abraham goes into Egypt and passes his wife off as his sister. That's, that's an attack because it's supposed to be the child of Abraham. He's not, the idea there is that, that you're, you're potentially, uh, a son might be born that isn't of Abraham. And the same thing when uh, Isaac and, and um, Rebekah do the same thing. We're going to see that same issue taking place here. So we have the new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Why would that matter that he didn't know Joseph? Was that? Yeah, Joseph's reputation lasted a long time. Joseph saved the people of Israel. Joseph, uh, not just Israel, but Egypt, actually saved the entire world at that time. And, but now we've gone long enough that we've forgotten who Joseph is. Um, anybody remember from Genesis, did the Egyptians really like the Israelites? Yeah, it actually, they loathed them. <laughs> it, it, the, the, the Israelites were loathsome to the Egyptians. So you have this amazing scene where the brothers come to Joseph and he puts the meal together for them. You remember the eating arrangements? I mean, I know he arranged them in order, but the brothers ate by themselves. And Joseph ate by himself. And then all of the servants ate by themselves. So why did they do that? <laughs> well, the Egyptians wouldn't eat with the Hebrews, right? So the Hebrews are all at one table. Joseph is pretending not to be a Hebrew, so he eats not with them, but his servants won't eat with him. It's an interesting picture. Joseph is eating by himself. Even though he is effectively king over Egypt, he's almost Pharaoh. There's a distance that's kept from them. And so the, the, the Hebrews have been isolated in the land of Goshen. They've been, 
They've been kind of away from the people. There probably was not much intermarriage that took place. Remember, that was the problem in Canaan. They kept intermarrying with the women. That's the whole horrible story of Judah, that these, these foreign people are going to drag down the people of God. And so now you have a new king, doesn't remember what he's done, and you've got these loathsome people there in the land. So what happens? Well, we know what happens. They start um, persecuting them. They set up taskmasters. They afflict them with heavy burdens. And they end up building store cities. Some people wonder if they built pyramids and all the rest, but they become slave labor. And, and does that stop the problem? No. Why? God is faithful. He's blessing his people. The harder they work, the more they grow. And it says there as well that, um, that the, um, the, they feared them. Uh, Verse 12, I'm lost it now, but, but the more they oppressed them, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad, and the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. And so they ruthlessly, that word's repeated twice, ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. And all work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Um, how long does that go on for? Well, we aren't quite sure, but we know it takes place at least uh, prior to Moses being born, right? Because you've got, you've got this taking place and it's not working, so then they up the ante and they want to kill off the male children. And that's the reign of time or the time period where Moses is born. When does Moses come back to deliver his people? 80 years. So this is going to go on for, let's just say, 80 to 100 years of being enslaved and persecuted by, the, by uh, Pharaoh. Uh, this is more than one king. This is generations now who are growing up enslaved. This is the enslavement in, in Egypt. Um, but God is faithful, and the Israelites continue to grow more and more. And now the story gets even more. This is where we come back to uh, is God going to be able to uh, keep his promise to Abraham? Because now the king of Egypt takes it up one notch. It's one thing to make people work as a slave, but what is the impact if we kill all of the male children? Okay. There is no promise because the promise is through your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed. There has to be male children for that to happen. There has to be that. So Pharaoh has now set himself up as the Antichrist, <laughs> okay? He is opposing everything that God does, and, and he is trying to kill off. He's going all the way back to the garden, or to, right after the garden. The first murder, Cain kills Abel. That's an attack on the promise that the, the seed of the woman will crush the serpent. And you can go then right on through, there's always this tension. Will the heir be able to be born? We have the Hebrew, um, Hebrews under attack. 
And Pharaoh decides to use the most unlikely people in the world to carry out his plan, right? And that's the midwives. Now, we have two midwives here. We have Shipra, and I think I'm pronouncing these right. I'm probably not, actually. Uh, but that's the way it looks to me, Shipra and Pua. All right, we've got, this is 100 years before. There, there might only be a million people at this time. No, it wouldn't be quite that. But, but there's, there's a lot of women. Could it possibly be that there's just two midwives with the people produ- reproducing the way they are? Yeah, th- this is just representative. There's two midwives. These are probably the chief midwives, okay? Um, I always wondered about that. There's got to be more than two. There would have to be. Um, and they are ordered to kill the, uh, the, the boys when they're born. But they don't, they don't do that. And they, they, they lie to the king, right? Uh, 